All right, I got Matt Bodrill on the show today. He is the co-founder of Apogee Strong Mentorship Program and the host of the Essential 11 podcast. Matt, welcome to the show, brother. Honored, brother. And a fellow California uh, refugee or, you know, former, former Californian with you, former Bayarian with you. So That's right. We, 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 we chose your favorite F word freedom and we'll talk probably more about that yes, later. Um, dude, I want to jump right into things with you because, uh, I've been following you for the last year or so. I went out and, um, hired a dad coach because I needed it, uh, for, you know, 11 years I've been married and probably 10 of those years. I just struggled. It was always a rocky relationship. My kids, I felt like they hated me. Like we would, I mean, I'm feeding these kids organic. I don't spank them. And guess what? They're fighting at me kicking me, punching me, spitting on me. I would walk out of the house, Matt, because I, I didn't know how to deal with it. I'm like, I'm confused. And my wife said, Joel, you need help. You need to, you need to go see someone. I'm like, no, I don't. Like, I, look at me. I'm a best song author. I'm a life coach. I'm all these things. I read all the books. I'm not the problem. You're the problem. She's like, you need to go see somebody. So I hired the great Kurt Storing, and uh, it really just lit a fire up my butt. And I really saw where I was making mistakes. And your name came up because you are doing some amazing things in the leadership for the family and the fathers and the young men, the boys we're raising in this crazy world today. And I'm curious for you, man, was, were, have you always been, you seem like you're just on fire as a father, a leader, uh, a, a husband. Have you always kind of been that way or was there a pain to purpose story? Um, that's a, it's a, it's a good question and big shout out to Kurt, man. What a good, what a good human that guy is too. Very, very, very good human and good on you for, for seeking out some help on that. Um, I, I always recognized the leadership DNA, um, but I don't think that's that uncommon. I, I think what's uncommon is people deciding to go ahead and run with it because it's hard, you know? And so I always recognize that DNA in me. Um, but I had not always activated it. And it was really more of a pain to, you know, pain to purpose kind of deal. Once I understood what I understood about, you know, the schooling system is really where it all started um, for me. And once I understood that, there was no way I was going to send my own kids into the fire. And so then I had to really become, it wasn't about like, okay, what do I want to do? It was, who do I need to be to do the things that I need to do? Right. That's a, that's a completely different, uh, mindset shift and, and just kind of prepped me for the long tail game. So, you know, it was, as I started to build out what I wanted to build out for my family to experience, I had to get better. And the byproduct of that was me being a better husband, me being a better father, me being a better leader in my community, me leading other families better. You know, it was all of those things became the byproduct. People ask me all the time, what's your favorite parenting book? I'm like, well, who's the person that is reading it? Because maybe they need to get better at their finances and that's actually going to make them be a better dad. Maybe they need to get better at the relationship with their wife and that's going to make them a better dad. Maybe they need to get in better shape and that's, what's going to make them a better dad. It's not necessarily, we like, the, we like blanket um, you know, really blanket prescriptions that we can theoretically see steps one through 10. And those steps are, are great, but if you're not willing to pivot or, or to, you know, play those steps out for the long haul, you're gonna be in trouble. So it was paying the purpose a little bit for sure. But the DNA was, I recognized the DNA early. I just wasn't brave enough to tap into it until I got older. Dude, I love that. Yeah. I think the same thing, like, here I am being a leader, maybe in the police department, you know, I'm yeah. a leader of my peers. Yeah. Uh, I'm a leader in the health world, but I can't leave my family. And there's a different, <laughs> there's a difference. And I didn't know, 
I didn't know that difference. And it, and then it's a slight shift. It was really just, you know, Tony Robbins talks about, you know, it's a two millimeter shift to like greatness or to be the Olympian. And it really was, it was just a simple shift. And when I saw it, I was like, oh my God, like that is what I've been doing. That's how I've been failing this yeah. whole time. Good for you. Good for you. What was the subtle shift for you? So I'm curious by nature. So I apologize in advance. I, I can't help but to ask questions too. Matt, this is my uh, podcast. <laughs> I know it is, but this is the way it's going to kind of roll probably. And I apologize in advance. But so what, what was it for you? Because I think this will, it'll help drive, you know, I, I know it'll help drive more thoughts too. But like, what was it for you? What was that subtle shift? What was that one or two thing, you know, that you needed to change? What was that? Yeah. Yeah, great question. So I think, and you kind of touched on it. I think a lot of us compartmentalize things like work-life balance. Like my health is really good or I drive a Ferrari and I make tons of money, but I'm 300 pounds overweight and we justify it that way. And I think I always, one is I always justified like this idea of one, like I'm I'm doing great in health and I'm doing great in my career, but uh, and when I'm less busy and I have more money, right. then I'll, then I'll work on being right. a better dad. Then I'll work on connecting with my kids and my right. wife because I'll have reached those things. And you know, it's all about be, do, have. And right. so that's one simple shift. But I think the biggest one, honestly, is this, I gave so much to my own growth because I thought the more I grow, the more I'm going to be a better father, which is partly true, right. but I gave my family sloppy seconds. They were, they were getting the leftovers of Joel. My wife would constantly say, Joel, you go out and you, you inspire these people, your, your, your people at work, the people you coach, but then what do we get? And she would say that all the time. And really, you know, Matt, it was about me understanding my family's needs. And here, let me just give you the last little bit. No, it's great. When I look at my, I, I write down, I'm a big goal setter guy. And I have like a top list of like five values and principles and and I will tell you, my human needs were centered around significance and validation mm-hmm. and growth. But connection and love was somewhere down at the bottom. Yeah. When I shifted connection and love to the top and I started focusing on that and my yeah. family first, and then I did all the other things, all the other values and human needs that I would need to focus on, yeah. everything shifted yeah. because my intention shifted. And that was the biggest shift of all. Good for you, man. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things. So we're talking about, so I love that you framed it that way too. Yeah, uh, I always say the weakest of men choose tomorrow, right? It's just tomorrow is when I'm going to get started. Tomorrow is when it's going to work out tomorrow. So once I get to this point, then I'm going to, no, you're not. Stop, stop, you know, using the excuses to prolong it. Camus said, um, there's always a philosophy for a lack of courage, right? And And that's what men do is we, We'll have our philosophy. We will justify the reason we aren't doing something now. We will justify that tomorrow makes more sense. We will justify the things we are doing now to make ourselves sorry. So our ego doesn't have to suffer. Um, And what you said is exactly at front loading that communication. And when I say front loading, I don't mean that you're going to eventually get rid of the communication, that connection, that love. You're never going to get rid of it, but you front load it with your family, with your kids and then it's much easier to maintain over the long haul. If you do have to shift to a point where your focus, when you're talking like true hours of the day, and I've got days where I, the majority of my hours, when I look at my schedule, the majority of my hours that day, my family isn't the prior, like the schedule tells the truth, Yeah. right? Your words, most men say what they wish they believed. What you do is what you actually believe. Okay, so looking at your schedule of what you do, that tells you what you really believe and what you prioritize. Now, I will have days right now because of what we're building where the majority of my hours that day are focused on 
building this organization and serving the masses, right? That's there. That's real. But I have front loaded that connection and that communication and that love and those relationships so that when days like that exist, nothing's lost, nothing changes, right? It's like once you get in really, really good shape, as long as you're maintaining the habits of, I'm going to get a little bit of movement in today and I'm going to uh, make sure I'm eating the right stuff. And I like it, it's actually somewhat hard unless you just completely forego it. It's somewhat hard to lose it. Like you actually have to be in touch, right? Same sort of thing with the family here. So I had to front load as much of that as possible. And I say, I, we, uh, my wife and I, but it's my responsibility to lead that charge. You know, we front load as much as possible and maintenance right now is, is easy. It's, it's really not difficult. Yeah, dude, I love that. Yeah, front loading, getting ahead of the problem, being proactive in your marriage and your fatherhood yes. and your family. And now you've set a baseline, a tone. And so we're in we're normal. Yeah. Not to interrupt it. That's exactly it. That's the, ba the baseline for what is normal is what we are responsible for setting. Dad is responsible for setting the baseline and he controls the energy of the house, period. So if you set a high baseline and then you are positive, you are calm in the correctness, like, like you, all of those things, you set the energy of there, then we win. It's exactly what you just said. Baseline is the perfect word for that. Dude, I love that. I want to talk to you. You have a huge background in education and leadership. Matter of fact, you actually you worked at Stanford University, which some people might say you worked at the creme de la creme of all universities. Like, Matt, you made it. And from my understanding, you got there and you're like, this place isn't that great. And matter of fact, I don't even think you're doing a great job. And you left to go do really what you're doing right now. But yeah. talk to me about the education system and what you saw at the highest, highest levels of education that bothered you. And you realized there's more we can do here. Yeah, that's um, I always tell people my, I, I started seeing it when I was four started seeing the problems when I was four in the system going, wait, there's a game being played and I can actually just get good at the game and I don't have to put in much effort. So I got really good at the game. I figured that out early. All I realized once I got to working at Stanford was that the game was there too. That, you know, there were all these things that we all culturally agree are true. And maybe for a time, some of them were, but they're surely not now. The myth of the elite school. There are, are there great people at Stanford? Of course there are. Are there knuckleheads? Of course there are. Are there good things going on on campus? Of course there are. Are there things that are not as they seem? Absolutely. And there is a game that's being played. And unfortunately, when you're playing a game, if the game you're playing is not something that transfers directly over to success and all the things we're talking about here, success in your relationship, success in your um, you know, marriage or, or from a parenting perspective or your career perspective or your physical health and, and you know, and business health, like what, what game are you playing then? To me, that's just an inefficient use of time. And so that's what I saw there was it was an inefficient use of time. I saw a lot of young people who were very stressed out to play this game that wasn't giving them a leg up for the game afterwards, you know, that life was going to actually ask them, um, you know, to be good at. Um, I, I just didn't see and I saw the game of admissions, you know, we grew up where it's like, oh, you get your good, you know, get your straight A's, get your, your good SAT score, um, you know, be a Boy Scout and and go apply and you're going to get into all the good schools that's so far from the way it actually works it's ridiculous 
Um, so there were just too many things there for me to say, okay, well, this, this makes a whole lot of sense. I couldn't in integrity, um, stay doing that. Now I was also still naive and I didn't yet know what I didn't know. So in my naivete, I went, cool, I'm going to go help fix this from the bottom. I'm going to go teach in the public schools and I'll help these people circumvent, right? I'll front load for them, right? I'm going to help them circumvent all of these issues prior to. Well, that I'm grateful because it opened up the doors to understand the game from K through 12 that leads into the game of the universities and, and all of that. So yeah, that's, it was a no brainer to leave. What I find is so inspiring is that, you know, you, you, you tried to go, let me just work through the system and I'll, and I'm going to make change, but you actually, you realize what, and you might've realized that. And so many of us, including myself complain, ah, oh, the education system's wrecked and there's nothing you can do to change it. And, you know, it's funny. I had a guest on yesterday. We we're talking about the health system and the health people complain about our health system is a wreck. He said, yeah. that's not true. Now this guy is a holistic optimist, like high performance coach. So he's yeah. doing some fancy testing to get people to the next level. Yeah. He said, that's actually incorrect. The health system's actually doing exactly what they're supposed to do. Correct. And they can fix you from broken bones. They can do surgeries on you. So when it comes to like, you know, immediate care, they're great. But don't ever think that their mission statement is preventative care because that's it's right. not. And that's where we have to go. Same thing with you. You realize yes. that you're like, oh, I got to create a new paradigm, Correct. a new way. And that's what you're doing with Apogee. That's exactly right. Yeah. The schooling system is doing exactly what it was designed to do. It was designed, we talked about the baseline, right? It's designed to give you a low baseline of academic knowledge. But the majority of the habits that you are asked to um, really embody are things like obedience, are things like apathy. Um, are things like we say critical thing. No, no, no. It, it, everything is designed to, um, really eradicate critical thought. Um, and it's doing a very, very good job of it. People, oh, that's not, there's some good people. Yes. That's not what I said. There's some really good people there. There are some really good people in that system. A hundred percent there are, but the system itself is still designed for those outcomes. And if you don't think that it's being effective, well, take a look at our population. We've got 90, I think it's like 92% of our population that's 18 or over has a high school diploma. Do you look at our population and go, yeah, 92% of them are wildly educated? No, you do not. <laughs> and no, you do not. But we all went through the same, you know, went through that same thing. So schooling does a good job of schooling. It's doing a very poor job of educating. And that's a harder game to play, but it's the game that life rewards. Okay, this is great because I want to get into, okay, then my next question is, Great. How do we educate though? Yeah. How do we inspire the new leaders to think right. differently and really make radical change in the world and disrupt it in a positive way? Because we're not doing that in the schools. They just become a cog in the wheel. That's and I right. know for myself better than anybody. I went to college, got a bachelor's degree in international relations and Italian. And yeah. then I went out and became a police officer. Does right. international relations have anything to do with police officer? No, it didn't prepare me at all. I wasn't prepared. Right. I use college as a way to buy me more time. And right. so I know what, and then get in a lot of debt. Luckily back then the debt was only 15,000. Now people are in hundreds of thousands of debt. Yes, that's exactly it. So the question that we need to ask, and it's, and it's somewhat ironic. So I was first asked this by a gentleman named Seth Godin. And uh, Seth is a brilliant human. He's become somewhat of a, um, of a mentor of mine. And Seth asked, what should education be for? Hmm. 
And I'd never been asked that question. I'd been a teacher. I'd been an administrator. I'd been at the university level. I'd been like, I'd been all over and I'd never actually been asked that. And so what I ended up coming down to, you know, kind of distilling it down to is I believe education should be for sovereignty and freedom. It's inherently personal. It is inherently personal. Um, I'll ask you a question, right? So you, I know where you live in, in Idaho. I don't know what your situation is as far as like the home you live in or whatever, but um, do you have an electric fence at your home? Electric fence? No. Correct. So, okay. So do you know anything about fixing or putting up electric fences? Nope. Right. Because it doesn't matter to you because you're not involved in it, right? I, coming from the Bay Area in Sacramento area of California, had also never worked with an electric fence. Now I live on a farm in North Carolina, electric fence around 20 acres of property. So when trees go down and I've got thousands and they go down and they take out our electric fence, I now need to know how to cut the trees up, get everything out of the way. I need to learn how to fix the electric fence. I need to make sure everything is good. I need to make sure the animal, like there's a whole lot that I need to know, right? It's wildly personal to me. There is very few, um, or there are very few things that are what I consider to be meta skills. So meta skills are everybody really needs this, right? Everybody really, like humans all need this. Everything else outside of that becomes wildly personal. If we're going to get to freedom and sovereignty, then that, you know, it comes down to the definition of terms. Socrates says the beginning of wisdom is the definition of terms. So it comes down to defining what does sovereignty look like for Joel versus what does sovereignty look like for Matt? We might have different definitions and that's okay, but what are our shared traits? Well, we need to understand relationships. We have relationships with people, whether it's wives, children, people in our community, friends, family, whatever that is, we have relationships. So we need to understand how to be successful in relationships. We are going to communicate with other individuals. So we need to understand what effective communication looks like. That's a no-brainer. That's a non-negotiable. 20 years from now, 30 years from now, assuming there's still other people in the world, you're going to need to know how to communicate with them. Um, physical health, your physiology, that is always going to matter. Understanding what finances are and how to operate within those and what the, the options are and how to that's going to matter. It's something that we have in great. So there are some meta skills, but once you get outside of that, it's really personal. Well, here's what school does. It says the meta skills are algebra and, and, you know, chem and they're these subjects that theoretically everybody needs to know, but they do it one worse because they say you actually have to know these specific things at the same exact specific time as everybody else. Otherwise, we're going to start labeling you as having an issue, right? And the reality is very little of what you learn there is a meta skill. It's almost always widely individualized. And so it's, it's just, it's preparing you for a game that you're not going to play as an adult. So when you say, well, how do we educate somebody? Education, the quote unquote curriculum, it always comes down to self-confidence and it always comes down to self-awareness right? Ooh. getting to know who I am, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, what I want to do, what I don't want to do, where I need to get better. How do I go find that? Am I adaptable enough to now get rid of information that's no longer relevant? Do I have all of that? And am I confident because I've actually done some hard things? 
I've actually struggled. I've actually gone through. I've actually, um, I gained some awareness by trying some things that I wasn't sure if I liked or didn't like. I have a good, like, that's the curriculum. That's what life actually rewards is that knowledge. That is not what we pursue in school, but it's what we pursue in everything we do in Apogee. Oh man, love that. On that note then, and and because you have this curriculum, I'm thinking, man, that must've been just such a task to like distill down, like what are the big pillars? What are the big modules that we want to carry someone through, through a 12 month program? Yeah. And so when you were going through that, and you mentioned self-esteem, self-confidence. Obviously, that's yes, that's going to be the beginning. That's like the that's the DNA. Back to what you said of like building yes. the leaders, then they can go on and have the autonomy to make wise decisions. I always think of that Daniel Pink book. He talks about people yes. need three things to be driven. They need a mission, they need yes. autonomy, and they need purpose. So you're yes. giving them that, Bingo. so then they have the DNA to go do it. Having said that, what do you think the biggest challenges are just facing some of our youth right now today, and how does Apogee? address those well the big and that's a great it's a great question one of the things that if we can figure out how to unlock this um and i say this is very tongue-in-cheek we'll rule the world um because one of the biggest issues is uh the the lack of commitment and this is not a young man issue this is not a young person issue this is just a human issue and this is an adult issue the lack of wanting to commit to the long tail game that's actually going to get you the result like mm. that is that everybody wants the quick TikTok video hack. Everybody wants the quick pill. Everybody wants the, and the reality is, is you're building a human being and education is going to take intentionality and it's going to take time. People don't want to be intentional and they don't want to take the time, right? So when we're looking at building out these roadmaps, any roadmap that we build out, our campuses, our mentorship programs, we are not building these out and it's like Matt and Tim Kennedy says, well, this is the way to go. No, we went to the people who are the best of the best in all of these areas. That's why we bring in, you know, Andy Frazella as a mentor. It's why we bring in Alex Hormozzi as a mentor. That's why we bring in, um, you know, who we have. Yes, we had Andrew Shaw yesterday who's a behavioral psychologist. We've had Todd Herman who worked with Kobe Bryant to develop that Mamba mentality. We've got like the list just goes on and on and on of people who are ninjas in these fields and they go, Hey, to get really good at this, these are some of the projects and challenges, things you can implement over time. So we put that together, but it's the lack of wanting to do it over time. So what, what we're facing is a culture that is wildly distracted. (laughs) And that's the biggest thing because if somebody, um, didn't have a bunch of, of distractions and bad habits It's really not hard to build really strong habits. What's hard is erasing old habits and replacing them with new ones. Mm. That's the difficult part. Um, And all of these distractions and all of their subconscious remembering this is the way it was and this is the way it used to be and this is the way, like that's the biggest challenge, man. So, um, you know, we we are big believers that humans don't tend to uh, overthink. They tend to underact. So if you're dealing with something like, you know, you think you're dealing with something like anxiety or you need to have different habits or you need, well, we need to massively take control of your schedule, force new habits over the long haul. If you're willing to do that, you will change everything and you'll learn about yourself in the process so that now you can go forward and build your own roadmap. You know where to go for the information. You have self-awareness. You have earned 
self-confidence. You are able to define sovereignty for you, and you understand that education is an infinite game, and you're willing to play it. That's so good. That's like Simon Sinek, the infinite game. It depends what kind of game you're playing. If you're right. playing for the here and now, like quick results. That's right. And you're gonna be you're gonna be bummed out when you don't get them. You're you gonna be know this is an infinite game, and hey, man, I'm playing for the long run. That's right. That, that's right, and that's what that's what literally changes everything because it allows you to subconsciously um, start to shift those neural pathways. Um, that's, that's really what ends up taking place. You start to accept the fact that you've got a long tail game to play. So you start building the neural pathways that are going to allow you to see patterns more clearly. They're going to allow you to be open to taking information and going, okay, how do I apply that? And, and I'm going to go ahead and do that. And then I'm going to reflect. And, um, it actually puts you, you know, again, critical thinking means thinking about your thinking. Hmm. Most people don't, we got to teach our kids to be critical thinkers. Most people aren't even thinking, never mind critical thinking. This forces you to think critically. And when you get yourself in that mode, you'll get to a point of being what I would say is educated relatively quickly. On the note, because we're just talking about challenges and I know you have several challenges in Apogee program that really stretches the children, the, the, the young man, it really yeah. puts them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love these 30 day challenges. And yeah. just like, I try to run some of them with my, my own kids and yeah. like the no complaint experiment. And, um, right now we're working on kindness, but yeah. you know, sometimes my kids, they've been, you know, I have a 10 and a six year old and they know what dad's all about. And so they know me pretty well. And I do these yeah. stupid challenges, but they're not always receptive to wanting yeah. to jump into these how do you, how do you get kids to like, really just, even if they're scared, even if they're like, man, I don't want to do that because I'm scared. That's the bottom line. I don't want to get out of my comfort zone. How do you start to nudge them into being like, come on, you can do this. Let's yeah. do this. Yeah. yeah. It's really, so I, I don't believe that's that difficult. Um, if you are closer to what I call the factory settings. So humans come out wildly curious. We come out, um, willing to take risks. Um, we come out, uh, excited to learn. Like it is our, it is our natural default setting. We want to tackle something interesting. We want to go, um, persevere. We are really, really resilient. Um, again, wildly curious. We're inherently brave. Those are the factory settings. So to get back to that, it's usually, for, I say for young people, we're trying to preserve those as much as possible. When I work with adults, a lot of times it's more addition by subtraction. We're trying to strip things away and get them back to those factory settings. So I take a look from a family standpoint and go, okay, am I putting anything in front of my kids that is distracting them and moving them away from factory settings, right? right. What's one of the best things you can do for getting your child to be creative, make them be bored. Like literally have not like that's when we are, we're so afraid of boredom in our culture, right? But if they don't have anything that they can do, they're going to get creative. So the way we set our factory settings for, um, you know, and again, I can only control what goes on in my house to the extent that I can control that. For the young men, I offer these and I offer these things to their parents, but ultimately at the end of the day, they've got to implement that. It is quite literally comes down to being intentional about your schedule, scheduling the things that you need to do, eliminating anything that is not moving the needle forward, and then you move forward on what needs to be done, whether you feel like it or not. The emotions mean 
nothing. The feelings around it mean nothing. We want to set an understanding as to why this activity is valuable. What is the desired outcome? What do you, what could you potentially learn in the process? Um, what are all the things that are going to give you reasons and excuses and distractions not to tackle this? Let's eliminate all those from the get-go. And we are going to control every minute of your day. We being me and the person that is wanting to do that. So when you do that long enough, what happens is they'll take a month or two and they'll be like, ah, I didn't really dive in because I got kind of scared. Ah, I didn't really dive in. Ah, I didn't really put, ah, I didn't really. But eventually, if those distractions are kept away, they get to the point where they're like, God, I'm kind of bored. And I just kind of, you know what? I'm going to go back to that and I'm going to go push hard. I'm going to go push hard. And then they're like, ooh, okay. And all it takes is one thing. And they're like, ooh, I'm on fire. Now I'm willing to go out here again. Again, keep the distractions away because those distractions will, will check off parts of the brain that want that curiosity and that, that result. Like the distractions are designed for that. TV will do that. Video games will do that. Like they'll, they'll make you, They'll, they'll check off that part of your brain that says you're doing cool things and you're out there slaying the dragon and rescuing the princess. It'll check all that off for us. Keep that away and you'll find yourself in a position of bravery to go tackle the things that actually matter. It's always that balancing game. But that's why I can't control it. You, you know what I'm realizing though too, Matt, is that it, it comes back to, again, leadership. It comes back to setting the culture and the tone for the house. And this yep. is the baseline. Now, and again, I think even me asking that question, it's like, well, give me the quick fix answer. Of course. And there is no quick fix, man. It takes mastery. It takes time and consistent time under tension to develop right. it. And then one day, all of a sudden, boom, your kid gets it. But it, you got to put in the effort. You got to put in the time. And it can happen overnight. It's all right. You got to put in the time. You got to put in, you got to put in the time. I'm t excuse me. I'm telling you, eliminating, being intentional about moving forward eliminating anything that moves you backwards. I always tell these guys, time is invested or it's wasted. It's not a net neutral. It's one or the other. And as we're ascending, you know, the apogee is we're ascending the mountain. It's, it's, um, it's kind of like you're in a wagon. And so you've got to keep going. You got to keep pulling that and, and you got to keep going forward. But if you start to do something that's a distraction, that stops. And what does the wagon do? Well, it's going to roll backwards and it's going to pick up steam and it's going to roll backwards for pretty freaking fast until you slam on the brakes and stop it. That's what distractions are designed, designed to do to us, especially for a young person. So being intentional about both of those and then being intentional about surrounding yourself with other people who are also climbing with you. That is the other, you know, that is the other, we, I mean, it was a Covey or whoever said, you know, we're the product of the five people we spend the most time with. Everybody knows that saying and everybody says that saying. And it's true, but also how intentional are we at cultivating those relationships? How intentional are we at only having people in our circles that are helping us be the best version of ourselves and move ourselves forward? We spend so much time and we'll justify that too, but we'll spend so much time with people who are dragging us backwards. We'll send our kids. I had a a dad that I talked to the other day, great guy, phenomenal, former law enforcement guy too. Great guy. And he's like, man, I'm really struggling because my young man, he's a couple months into Apogee and he's, he's doing this, but it's hard because he's also going to school and then he's got all of this going on right here. And I'm like, cool, man. So essentially what's happening is you're like, hey, you're going to marry this woman here, but you're going to spend all your time with your ex-girlfriend and maintain that relationship. How do you think the marriage is going to go? 
But that's what we try to do. We try to justify that when it's silly. We're not brave enough to eliminate the things that are actually harmful to us. That's the problem. And if we'll do that and have people around us that hold us to that standard, again, the baseline of normal, right? These are my standards. When your standards are high and their standards are high, you cannot lose. It may take a while, but you can't lose. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? It just brought up something. I just this whole episode of just thinking about this baseline. I'm, I'm just this theme yes. of courage. It's all about courage. And I don't even sometimes think I would never use that word normally, but it takes courage to take action, messy yes, action. And yes, back to Seth Godin, Seth Godin, uh, there's a great quote by him that says, uh, if I fail more than you, I actually win. That's it's right. one of my favorite. It's something like that. It's one of my favorite quotes because yeah. he knows he just needs to fail enough times before he crushes you. Uh, but you know this idea of courage, and I'm thinking of there's a metaphysical doctor that I read his book. He talks about like the laws of um, vibration and the, the 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 different polarities, if you will. Okay. And so the law of courage is there's a chapter on the law of courage. But do you know what the polar opposite of courage is? Hypocrisy. Oh, I like that hypocrisy yeah. and so when what you're talking about is when you're not being courageous dads yeah or you're not instilling yeah. courage into your kids because like you said you're spending time yeah. with your with a, your your girlfriend but you should be focused right. on your wife you're in hypocrisy you're not in alignment you're not congruent with what you say you are and what you believe yeah. and what you stand for that's man that's exactly it i always tell you know i tell the man and the young men we work with and we have other coaches we tell our women this too we have other coaches who say it directly to them but you know the the amount of space between what you say you want to do versus what you do, right? The amount of space there is inversely proportionate to the amount of respect you've earned. Those things should be right freaking on top of each other. That should not be, that should be your standard. That is what we talk about when we say we live by a code. It is, there, there is no, everything is congruent, right? There's no space there. It's exactly, it's okay to fail, but you fail attempting to do the thing that you said you were going to do. And I love and that quote by Seth is great. You've got Glad Gladwell who has, you know, the 10,000 hours rule. I actually like Naval Ravikant's version of it better. He said, no, it's not 10,000 hours. It's 10,000 iterations. Yeah. I mean, you're going to fail 9,999 times and then you get to that 10,000th and now you've got mastery, right? It's that, but the intentionality every moment, I do not waste time. My time is valuable as is yours, as is everybody. So I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to optimize everything that I can optimize because it is my moral obligation as a leader to do that for the people I serve, wife and kids first. Matt, I want to talk to you about a little bit about mentorship because uh, if you go to your website, I mean, like you've already dropped some of the names, Annie Frisella, Tim Kennedy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got Todd Herman from the Alter Ego Effect. I mean, you've got the best of the best coming in to mentor and help shape the generation. I think mentors are great because they're going to shortcut whatever you're trying to get in life. You pay for yeah. mentors and coaches to shortcut your success. Correct. Um, talk about just that and what people can expect if they don't know what Apogee, they're just trying to get an idea of like, how does this all work? This sounds amazing. I want to be in, I want my kids to go through this. How do, how do these mentors, is it like a weekly, a monthly call or how does this all come get streamed to us? Thanks, man. That's a good question. So we've got, we always say we have these uh, individual fingers on a collective hand of, of freedom and sovereignty, right? So that's, that's how we describe it. So we've got our young men's program, our men's program, our women's program, our young women's, 
<laughs> excuse me, our Young Women's is on the way this fall. Um, we've got our home education uh, program, and then we've got our physical campuses that are really the embodiment of bringing all of those together. Um, and then, of course, our payment processing system is to help fund all of that to make everything accessible to people to be able to give scholarships and all that kind of stuff. So we've got all those fingers. It means they can all stand alone, but they all come together you know, at these, at these campuses. So the 12 months are laid out. And when I say 12 months, that's really kind of the tryout sort of period. That's really what it is because what we're playing an infinite game. So I'm going to tell you that that game ends in 12 months. That's hypocrisy. That's BS. The game doesn't end. The 12 months is the first roadmap that we bring you along. And part of it is to decide, will we continue to work with you in the infinite game? Oh. That's part of that. Did you earn your spot in this infinite game? So there's very much that aspect to it. But the way those 12 months are laid out is there are projects and challenges for the young, you know, the young men, there's two, uh, two each month, a project and a challenge each month that has a specific focus for the men, for the women, there's five. Um, so it's a far more, obviously a far more intense program. Um, you are, there are recommended uh, readings that we dive into that are, built around and every month is it's a very intentional focus right you're focusing on your personal psychology you're focusing on your uh time and energy management and, and setting a, a chief definite aim you're focused on your physical health and fitness not just your fitness like we're going to show you how to get six pack abs i want you to be healthy right like we're going to focus on what that looks like we're going to focus on your spiritual journey but not in a everybody needs to believe what i need to believe we pair that with communication we actually have you steel man your spiritual beliefs, which means you actually try to prove yourself wrong because that invites a much more engaging conversation when it's not Matt versus Joel. Let me tell you why I'm right. You tell me, no. So let me tell you why Matt can tell you why maybe Matt's wrong, right? And then we can engage in a conversation. We, we really dive into civil discourse and what that looks like. Um, you know, the marriage component, the, the childhood component, the legacy component, the self-reliance self and resilience component, the financial components. Um, sales marketing, like we literally package all of those things. There's a very specific focus so that you can shine a light on each one of these key meta components of your life and go, here's where I'm crushing it. Here's where I'm struggling. I can see here doing the challenges laid out by the best of the best in this field that I'm doing well, or ooh, there's a lot of work to do. So they're all set up that way. You're in a private platform with everybody else that's going through that. I'm in that platform. I have not missed a day of putting some things out there as far as guidance and mentorship and leadership. I put, I put something in there every day. You've got everybody else who's going through it together, supporting each other. We've got other coaches who are in there supporting. And every single week, we bring in the best of the best of the best. As it, it's, There's a weekly check-in every single week now when guys go to year two there's also a separate call for them specifically when um you know guys are in the program they can come to the young men's side too so i'm hosting multiple shows every week bringing in the best of the best so like you know we just had like i said we just had andrew shaw as behavior psychologist um we've got just coming up here this this month we got tulsi gabbard coming in we've got brian callen coming in we've got remy adeleke we've got the legend frank zane um wow. we've got victor marks we've got like these are, so it's just a non-stop litany of amazing humans that you are talking directly to to ask your questions to the best of the best of the best the whole goal is to eliminate and eradicate any excuses 
any I can'ts. You'll have to just come to terms with, I don't want to, if you're not going to move forward. Ouch. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. That's oh, it. Okay. Quick question. Selfish questions. Cause yeah. uh, I'm very eager to get my boys involved. I have a 10 year old and a six year old. And when I was looking at it in the past, I don't yeah. think the young boys program was out. And so it was just the uh, older men, which is starts at 12. Can any of these, my boys start the 10 or six year old in any of the, so the young men for us is 12 to 18, 12 to 18, 12 to 18. And then we have the grown men who are, you know, I think our youngest guy is 26 and our oldest guy is 58 or something, you know, so it's, we've got hundreds of, from all over the world. Um, so we've got hundred or we're nearing, we're nearing a thousand, um, right now, as far as, as far as the men. So yeah, on the young men's side, 12 to 18. Um, but the physical campuses that we are building are going to be K through 12s. Now these will be for young men and young women, but again, it'll be a campus that is built around those meta skills, getting our young people living by that code, pushing themselves forward, learning what real education looks like, opening the doors that regular traditional school is not going to open for you. And then mom and dad because their kids go to those campuses, mom and dad go into Apogee Man and Apogee Woman. So when you go to one of our campuses, it truly is education for the whole family. The entire family is getting educated. It's not just, I send my kids to this quote unquote private school. No, they're going to an educational leadership center and mom and dad, you're going through a leadership journey too. We are pouring into the entire family. So that's where a 10 year old, you know, we have one, luckily we've got one opening not too far from you. That's right. Um, and that would be something, obviously both of your kids could go, but then you and your wife would be automatically put into the men's and women's programs as well. It's so key, man. I loved, I didn't know you were doing that. I mean, that is, you've thought of everything because in my own life, I, I can tell you, I've tried, you know, disciplining. This goes just an example of discipline. I wanted yeah. to discipline my kids. They don't listen to me. So I tried threatening them. I thought I tried, tried controlling yeah. them. I tried spanking them. None of that worked. You know what worked? Me actually connecting with them deeper yeah. and becoming a better leader. And then guess what? They trusted me. And when they yeah. trusted me, they started to listen to me. Okay. So how okay. can I just throw them into a school and not, and just do learn whatever you need to learn? No, I got to be the leader too with you and grow with you. You can't abdicate responsibility that way and think it's going to be okay. You're exactly right. I get the question a lot when people meet my children. And again, there is no such thing as perfection. I want to make sure I say this because people will hear a twisted version of this. There is no such thing as perfection. I am far from a perfect parent. That doesn't exist. But perfection always remains the standard when it comes to that. That's a different thing. It always remains the standard. There is always room to improve. And I will always seek to improve it. And so my kids, same thing. There's no such thing as perfect kids. There's no such thing as perfect people. I want people to hear that. I want them to understand that I'm saying that. But when people meet my kids and they spend any amount of time around them, and right now my kids are 13, 11, and 8, the question I get the most is, oh my gosh, how do you discipline your kids? Because they are 13, 11, and 8 going on 30. Like, what's the deal? They spank themselves, right? And that's, yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. and I always say, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a one, two, no, it's a, so I always tell them, I don't have to discipline my kids. We have taught them to be disciplined individuals. 
That is a vast difference. We have front-loaded discipline as that baseline. It's who they are. You're not seeing an act. You're not seeing a show. You're not seeing anything that looks any different than what it just looks like in our house. Does that mean that they've never, they never argue and they never know? Of course, people are going to, you know, there's going to be those kinds of things. They're going to be, they're still kids. They're still developing. They're still going to go through some moods and they're still like those things happen for sure. But they know the difference between right or wrong. We have a family mission and a family code, a family contract that we touch on every day for years. And that is just ingrained. That is their perspective. That's how they live. And most importantly, we've already touched on this too. They see mom and dad live that, right? And they know that if dad falls out of line, they have every right to go, dad, hey, rule number six is no complaining, fix it. You're complaining right now. What's your solution? And I will go, yep, you're right. Okay, let me figure out the solution or I need to zip it. Now they believe me. So they believe that that is actually what a human being is supposed to do, right? So that's why they're all, that's why they're all, you know, that way, because we've made it a we mission as a family. Yeah. So key. One of the things that you say, and I think one part of your ethos and your mission and, and it just crushed me when, when you said it, I was like, wow, you said, would you die for your kids? Cause everybody says I'll die for my kids. Of course I would. How about you start living for them? That's right. How about you start living for them right now and proving that you would die for them? Not just say it. That's right. I don't want That's right. Because everybody, and I believe people would die for them. I believe they see that car coming and I know it's me or them. Done deal. They're jumping. You bet. I believe most parents will do that. I do believe most people are actually good humans and I believe they would absolutely do that. It is far more difficult. Thus takes far more courage, takes far more bravery to get up every single day and be intentional for them and to work towards optimizing for them, optimizing all of these areas, my relationship with their mom, my relationship with them, my relationship with the people I serve, my physical health, my, it's all the stuff we're talking about. Intentionality every day around optimization. To me, that's non-negotiable. That is our moral obligation as men, as leaders. Yeah. I don't see any other way around it. Yeah. And I, I love that you have the continuation program. So it's not just a 12 month relationship with you. And then like, hi, goodbye, go out and be a great dad. Like you said it best, man, we need community. And I've learned that a lot. I thought I could be a better dad by myself. Cause I just read more books, hire more coaches. I needed community to heal myself yeah. and have other men fighting for the same mission. Help raise so. me up. And so I'm so happy that you, I didn't know there was a continuation that's, to keep the learning, right. to keep the community, to keep the growth. So that's so cool. It's got to be that way, man. It's got to, because what you said is true. Like most people will, we call it the red dress syndrome, right? The, the part of the matrix where, you know, he's, he's in there learning about everything and, and the woman in the red dress walks by and he gets distracted and he goes over here. We have red dress syndrome as a society. We are always looking for this distraction. And, um, you know, we're, we do it in the form of going, Ooh, okay. I'm not doing the things I need to do, but it must be because I haven't listened to the right podcast yet, or I haven't read this book yet, or I haven't read. No, 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 no. Like you're, you're consuming versus creating. Mm -hmm. So that community that continues holds that line, right? No. What are you creating right now? Cause you actually have all the information you need right now. You're just not taking action on it. I'd rather you read one book that's really good and take action on it. Then read a hundred books and take no action on any of it. Right. We're like, it's, 
it's that. That's again, hypocrisy in my head. When you're consuming all the information, you have all the right stuff, you have all the tools, but you're putting none of it to work and then going, ah, I'm not sure why. Well, I mean, that doesn't work that way. So the community holds that line. Yeah, you nailed it, man. I, and that was where I found myself on my marriage, read all the books yeah. about Daniel Siegel and the brain, but right. it wasn't until I went all in really on that one concept of being intentional. Changed yes, everything. Changed yes, everything. Um, I want to wrap things up with you, but um, man, just so much good stuff. Talk about just, and I think you kind of alluded to it, but you've got a lot of exciting projects that you're working on right now uh, within Apogee. Talk about just some of the things you're doing and how people can get involved if they're listening and, and they want to be a part of it. They want to donate because they believe in this cause and, and, and there's scholarships available and just all the things that you're doing. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. So, you know, we got all of our individual fingers with the different programs that can stand alone and um, the way they all come together. We've got campuses launching. We've got 40-something, 45-ish campuses launching um, in the fall of 2024. Uh, it's all over the United States, Canada, and Australia for 2024. We're going to do another call for potential affiliates mid-2024 for anybody else who's interested in bringing an Apogee campus, an Apogee leadership campus to um, to their community. So um, always glad to connect with people who want to bring this. It's an affiliate model, kind of like CrossFit, you know, kind of deal. So we can help people to launch those well. Um, and we've got, you know, we understand the downside of any kind of privatized education is that you've got to pay for it. So we have two foundations, the Apogee Education Foundation. That one's a public facing charity we actually work with, um, like we're working with governors and state levels there, but there's the Apogee Strong Foundation that people can donate 501c3, people can donate directly to, um, and that all goes to a scholarship. We're essentially trying to build out an endowment fund so that all of these programs are available to any character-driven families, you know, and, and one of the easiest ways to help, because I know donations can be, that can be tough for people, um, but if you're a business owner, and you're using anything like Stripe or PayPal or any of these, you know, organizations as a processor that they make their money and, and go push these agendas that don't really align with our values. Um, you know, you can switch Apogee Pays is now set up and we don't take money on the margins. That money goes directly into the foundation to do exactly uh, what I'm talking about. So just so by cool. nature of you doing the business you're already doing, you help push this mission forward and scholarship kids. So those are all different ways we can help. And then we got live events uh, kicking off in the fall too. Um, so we'll be in every single state with a, with a live event, bringing families together too. So just trying to cover all the bases, man. Yeah, dude. I love it. Uh, if you have some time, I just like two more minutes. I want to yeah. just wrap it up with some final round questions and then just let everybody sure. know where they can connect with you. If you have some yes, time. Sir. Of course. Awesome. Um, just curious, Matt, any is there a choice or maybe choices that stands out for you that you think made you who you are today? There are a couple of, there are a couple of things that, that change things and they're actually both had to do with movies. And I know that sounds so funny. It sounds so cliche and cheesy, but um, the first date I was ever on with a girl while I was in high school, we went to see a movie called Braveheart. Um, I remember very clearly sitting there. I was excited being a sophomore dating the, the senior cheerleader captain, you know, thinking that I was like hot stuff. But I very quickly was like, I don't even care she's there. I'm so wrapped up in this idea of this guy saying every man dies, not every man really lives. I did not know what that meant for me at all. But something like woke up in me right there where I just went, I will not be quote unquote normal. I will not be most men. Um, I don't know what that means. 
but I've got to go serve at a higher level. I'm going to figure that out. So that was actually a very pivotal moment for me. Um, and another came later when my, uh, my wife and I, we were still dating at the time. Um, and we went and saw a movie called, um, the pursuit of happiness with Will Smith. Great book, by the way, if nobody's ever read it, the story of Chris Gardner. And there's a scene where he's, you know, kicking the door shut at the BART station and he's got his kids there and that's where they're going to sleep for the night. And, you know, I, we didn't have, we weren't married and we didn't have kids at the time, but I committed right there that I would do anything and everything that I ever could for my kids, no matter how difficult it was. So when people are like, oh, easy for you to you homeschool your kids or you build, you, know, you had a place your kids could go to school. I'm like, you think it's easy to launch a campus? You think it's easy to walk away from a six-figure job to then have to build out a new business that I could support my family while also building out a school campus that they could go to to get this opportunity? Like, no, that's what I meant. I was willing to do anything and everything, and I still am. Dude, that's so good. I, I love it. Yeah, I, I love that. I Yeah, you think I quit my job and lost six figures of I, income so that I could go do whatever I want? You think my wife, uh, who loves to homeschool her kids, but she she if we had to look at how much time and effort she puts in, she makes way more money than me because the amount of work it takes to have two young boys behind me running around like crazy. Uh, people have no idea. Homeschooling is like one of the, probably the most difficult things I think you can do because – uh, you're just, oh, you, there is no off button. The kids are always there for the most yeah. part. And so That's yeah, people have no idea. And it's about choices and it's a choiceless choice. Bingo. That's all it is. It's, it's a great choice. You know, as I have, again, so much, and I told you this before we even started, but so much respect for you doing what needed to be done, even though it was presenting an obvious hardship um, to me, that again is uh, just massive respect, sir. Yeah. Thanks brother. Books. I'm a big reader. Yeah. Uh, is there like a top one to three books that you feel like, man, this really changed my life. I would tell everybody go out and read these one book or three books, you know? Yeah. First one that comes to mind is, is one that we use, um, for our, for our men and for our women right at the get go. And it is Todd Herman's book, the alter ego effect. Um, that is a huge one for me. And, and it's, um, it really is diving into your personal psychology. Um, it's a phenomenal, it's a phenomenal book. He does a phenomenal job. Um, Joe Dispenza's Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself is another one we'll utilize, and it's another great one. It can get a little esoteric, if you really, but it just outlines a lot of the same principles. So those are really good when it's talking about kind of reframing um, the stories that you are telling yourself about the stories that you're telling yourself. So I really like those. Um, Atomic Habits, I can't help but um, you know put Clear's work in there too. Um, I think it is so vital and so crucial. And, and those are my top two just because of the immediate application of them, right? I think there's other books. I mean, there's yeah. other books that have absolutely changed my life and I could probably list 50 of them, um, but a universal application, I really like those two. Those are great. I love that. Any um, last two questions, we'll wrap it up. Any rituals or just practices that you do a lot? You know, people do gratitude journaling. Some people are getting up at 4 a.m. to cold plunge. Like what does Matt Baudru do? Uh, yeah, I, I don't have any, um, I, I do control the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed. Um, it, every day does not look the same. I'm not tied to a very specific routine because what I found is that some people that get tied to that, well, what happens when a tree falls on your electric fence and now your whole day is shifted? Oh my God, now I can't do it. Well, no, I've got to be able to be adaptable, right? So I do control every single minute. Um, but you know, as far as any, um, individual routine, 
there is, we have 11 habits that we lay out for our men and for our women. And that's what I make sure I stick to. So it's, and they're very basic, they're very quick. There is some sort of movement mobility every day that comes in, if not, you know, full on exercise. There's specific things we do with our spouse, specific things we do with our kids. Um, the journaling aspect of it. Um, I'm not a big journaler, like writing a long tail thing, but I will take the time to think through an idea and write out the ideas in my head so I can organize my thoughts so I can, you know, become more objective, things like that. So those 11 habits are as close as I get to the routine. Yeah, those are great. Dude, last but not least, where can people connect with you either on social media or just your website and connect with everything that you are doing? Thank you, brother. Um, by February 18th of 2024, we will have the apogeestrong.com site completely remodeled and renovated. And then we'll have everything that we are doing there, including the campuses and Apogee pays and all of that kind of stuff will be there. So apogeestrong.com will be a great place to go. Um, you can follow us on IG at Apogee program. People can reach out to me directly on IG too, just at my name at, at Bodro. I'm glad to help. Um, even if it's not helping within the context of, Hey, here's our pro. No, I'm just, I'm glad to help. I'm glad to help point you in the right direction, point you where you need to go. Um, no matter if that's with us or not, because that's what we're here to do, man. We're here to serve and, and lead in that way. So, yeah. Amazing. Matt, Matt Bodro, Apogee Strong. Thank you, brother, for being on the show. I appreciate you. Honor is my own, sir.